Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I am doing great. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. That's my favorite word to use because really it, it is a beautiful day. I get to talk to you and I know that our topic today is uh, it's a fun one. I, I enjoy this type of podcast because you have spoken to your clients and other people basically asking them the question, you know, what are you concerned about? What questions do you have, right? Yeah. So as part of our normal uh, process with our clients, uh, we do reach out uh, regularly with everybody to uh, not only see uh, how they're doing and whether or not they uh, have any changes in their plans, but every once in a while we ask them the question, hey, what's on your mind? What's concerns right now? Uh, so we can just make sure that we have the pulse of our client base. All right. That sounds good. So what have you found? I have found, not surprisingly, in the, the timing of our calls, uh, you know, that there was just an overwhelming concern about the political environment. Uh, hmm. So we're going to address that a little bit today, uh, but uh, try not to get too much down the muck with that. And there's a lot of muck, isn't there? <laughs> Let's be honest. Everybody gets it's a little a lucky dirty. time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So with with the political changes, obviously we know that there's also tax implications, and there's uh, you know all sorts of rules could change depending on who's making those rules. I'm assuming that's all tied into this as well. Yeah, as we uh, addressed in the Biden Our Time episode mm -hmm. a little while ago, uh, there are a whole plethora of potential changes in the tax uh, picture going forward uh, that um, are, are reasons for people to have some concern about what the future looks like. Greg, you've given me the, the questions that the, your clients basically asked you when you surveyed them. And so I'm going to start, uh, I'm just going to start asking you these questions. You ready? Sounds like a plan. All right. I know that one of the gentlemen that you spoke to was concerned about how the tax laws will be changing and if Social Security will be available when he's able to retire. What was your answer to that? Well, Eric, that is a common concern for people that are thinking about retirement. You know, the first part of that, uh, how the tax laws will be changing. Yes, we went into great detail uh, in the Biden Our Time episode, and as we will continue to uh, dig into in other episodes, tax law change is inevitable. Uh, and uh, most likely the initial uh, effect of that tax law change is going to be the expiration of the Tax Cut and Job Act here in 2025, uh, which will result in an immediate increase of income tax rates across the board. Uh, so people do need to be sensitive to how that effective tax rate change is going to automatically reduce many people's take-home pay, in mm -hmm. this case, take-home retirement income. Uh, so there are ways to plan around that, and we did uh, investigate that with, with this client. Uh, and then with regard to Social Security, what's going to be av available when they're able to retire, you know, my own uh, 
belief on that is that for people that are nearing retirement, uh, the Social Security structure as we know it will not change for them. It just is too big of a social contract uh, for the government to let that fail, to use the, the popular vernacular from the 2008 area. As regards to people like yourself and myself, we're, we're under the current law about 10 years removed from retirement. Uh, that's probably going to change. And we've got to come to grips with the fact that if you are in your mid-50s, what used to be the finish line for receiving Social Security at 67 for you and I, uh, that's probably going to move out to 70 uh, because they do have a gap that they're going to need to fill somehow uh, and so those are uh, legitimate concerns uh, for people out there uh, that they need to, you know, as we talked about before, maybe pace themselves a little differently, knowing that the finish line is not as close as they think it is. Yeah, absolutely. I know that one of the, the thoughts or concerns was uh, splitting time in two different states and how that'll affect um, their retirement, how that's going to affect uh, taxes, depending on what state they're in. What do you have to say about that? You know, as people become more savvy uh, and more mobile because they are no longer tied down to their job, uh, many people do uh, look to the snowboarding situation, uh, not just because of the intelligence <laughs> of leaving a hmm. place like you're in right now where you're, you said minus nine or something like that right now? <laughs> minus six for the high. Yeah. This is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe heading to warmer climates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, not only that for geographical change, but many people do move to other more tax friendly jurisdictions. And a bottom line is when somebody does have that dual residency for most states, uh, it comes down to a, uh, a matter of proof as to which is your primary residence, being there more than six months in a day type of thing, uh, which can be established by where you're paying your utilities, where are you paying to have your car registered, and those type of things. Uh, so as, again, you look to maximizing your retirement income dollar, uh, it does make abundant sense for many people uh, if their kids have moved out of their primary residence and all that stuff, uh, then uh, go ahead and move to another state where you're paying lower income tax rates. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The next person that you spoke to said that they were concerned about the economy as it comes to politics. And we spoke about that a little bit earlier, but he has concerns about his 401k and Roth uh, and wants to know if there's a safe place to put his money. Uh, also wants to learn about bitcoins. So <laughs> that's a lot. What, what do you say? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to address a couple of different uh, things with this particular issue, this question. You know, with regard to um, the 401k and Roth and a safe place to put the money. Um, you know, as we've talked about before, uh, I am an advocate of Roth conversion, uh, of paying the tax man a little bit more now uh, to protect those funds from the long time or long term uh, increase of individual income tax rates down the road. Uh, with regard to safe place to put money, <laughs> you can hardly... Uh, have a greater divergence between safe place for money and Bitcoin. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin is a, uh, a topic of conversation for a whole nother uh, 
program. But there are a couple of things that I thought were interesting in, in the context of where we are now, because, you know, Bitcoin is the rage. Uh, and well, that and uh, GameStop, right? This is where we're at in the economy right now, <laughs> with, yeah. with these these wild uh, increases in value. And when we were uh, getting ready for our presentation day, it led me to kind of reflect on gold uh, versus Bitcoin, because yeah, again, this client was talking about safe places. And, mm -hmm. Gold has uh, you know, historically been a hedge against uh, times of tumult like we are in right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and now we're seeing, to a great extent, the, the gold bug mindset has moved over to Bitcoin uh, because it is you know, a way to, quote, unquote, protect your money against the government because it's a private enterprise. It's you know, and when we use the phrase Bitcoin, I'm speaking to as to all this digital currency. Yeah. But when we think about the future of an investment in Bitcoin, you know, not only must somebody be prepared for wild fluctuations uh, in value, but the mindset uh, that that is something that is safe because the government uh, has no impact directly on it um, is a, a mistaken uh, thought. Uh, and and the, the, the best uh, analogy that I could come up with on that is, you know, the whole idea that the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is somehow secure from the government. It has been chipped away at uh, when there was a, a definition of income that now included gains in Bitcoin a few years ago. But, you know, as we look down the road as to all of the changes that could be out there, uh, it, it, to me, kind of rhymes with what happened back in the 1930s with gold uh, when Franklin Roosevelt uh, basically impounded gold. Uh, from the individual consumer. Mm. And so don't think that if you got your money in Bitcoin, you're somehow going to be safe from the overreach of government because they can do that. And you know, I can hear an advocate saying, well, they can't do that because the technology. Well, they can do that in a practical sense. You know, they mm -hmm. just tighten up the taxation on all that type of stuff. So, so not only is Bitcoin... Um, very volatile, uh, and because of that, has, in my opinion, no place in a short-term retirement portfolio, maybe long-term retirement portfolio, mm -hmm. but still just a small percentage of it. And don't go into it with the thought that it is safe from the government. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, I know that, that one of your uh, clients or one of the people that you spoke to uh, has the same concern that a lot of people do. Uh, her concern was the pandemic, uh, and so just really talking about right now, she'd like to hear about how to invest their money to be able to retire in the future. And, and I know that when the pandemic first hit, it, well, entire of 2020, everything was really, really rocky. So I'm sure that that's where this question kind of comes from. You know, the pandemic in the response to it uh, just shows how fundamentally distorted the market is right now mm -hmm. uh, with uh, the 
complete untethering of the performance of Wall Street from the performance on Main Street. You know, you'll have many people, economists and such, that you know will assert that that's always been the case. There's always been that disconnect. Uh, but now in the era of activist federal government uh, uh, banks across the, na- the world, we're just seeing how this is creating another bubble. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that we are creating two bubbles right now, one in the market in specific stocks, uh, and two, uh, we're creating another housing bubble again uh, because of uh, the money that is being pumped into the system. So we can't invest in a vacuum. We need to recognize that we have uh, this action taking place that is increasing the value of these assets. Uh, and we need to be investing uh, with one eye on those assets that are appreciating uh, and trying to capture as much of that as we can. Uh, and the other eye waiting for the shoe to drop. Uh, and that's the real challenge where we are right now. Now, for most investors that are trying to do this on their own, uh, then they're best off uh, doing some type of combination of uh, safe, secure investments uh, that have captured some of this win uh, and then uh, keeping some of it in risk uh, at, at you know, whatever level they're comfortable on. But it is a it is a difficult balancing act right now. Yeah, absolutely, and it it leads right into kind of what we spoke about in the podcast Biden our time. That's a lot of this is political, right? I mean, I hate to bring it back to that, but this is a lot of what the questions that that you face with your clients and the and the people that you kind of pulled in this situation. Um, they're concerned about the political future. This is somebody else's question to you. Wants to know what the effect on the economy is going to be with this new administration. And I know that you addressed that quite a bit in the other podcast, but do you have any other thoughts on that? Well, the just a short response to that is uh, I believe that there is going to be a current continued growth, uh, even in the face of many things that I am reading from the gold bug world uh, that says that uh, – crash is inevitable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't believe it is inevitable, uh, but I'm looking for trouble about 12 to 18 months down the road. Got it. All right. And that may tie into what the next question was. Um, The next person said that they were concerned about inflation, uh, specifically with the stimulus money that's going out. and, And we know that another round just went out. We are starting to see, uh, well, we have been seeing for, uh, for a long time now, uh, inflation uh, in uh, some consumer goods. If it weren't for the innovation, uh, you know, things like TVs, how those have been dropping just because of innovation in the particular models and things like that driving down the cost. But when you see things like um, milk, uh, commodities, those type of things that people have on a day-to-day basis, you're starting to see significant increases in inflation that way. Um, not in the reported numbers uh, and uh, inflation, like I just mentioned, in the values of homes, which are leading to what I believe is another bubble state. So we are starting to see that. What we're not seeing is wage inflation. But when you look at the uh, rhetoric and the momentum on Capitol Hill, uh, the movement for a $15 an hour federal minimum tax rate or minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking at 
um, the the steps to in in the eyes of the current administration to prevent global warming by cutting down carbon emissions, which in this context means increased cost of energy. So inflation is going to hit us mm-hmm. uh, as a result of these actions. Uh, and that's where I get my 12 to 18 month kind of uh, perspective on when the trouble is going to start hitting. Got it. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, the next question is, you could call it political because it's really about the government um, and what's going to happen with 401ks. Their concern is, do they, you know, with the financial unrest, do they stay the course and keep putting money into the 401k? How does that affect their taxes? Is this something, or that should they be thinking about something different? They should be thinking about something different. The As we've talked about uh, before, uh, I am an antagonist when it comes to the uh, financial industrial complex as represented in my mind by the 401k. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is forcing people to put all their savings energy into this one spot uh, that is creating tax playing minions for the rest of your lives, uh, leaving people at the risk of increased income taxes in the future. Mm. And, taken against the backdrop of the trillions of dollars that are tied up in 401k type accounts uh, and accumulated deficit that's going to be approaching $30 trillion before you know it, uh, that's just a sitting target. Uh, And you've got to take steps now to start protecting yourself from that. All right. Sage advice. All right. Uh, The next question is a little bit different. We're going to pivot. The vaccine, right? I mean, we, we've heard it's all throughout the news. Um, it is now across the country, uh, slowly but surely, more and more people are getting vaccinated. And they want to know how is it going to affect our world and if it will allow us to get back to what we would call normal. So that's part of my concern, Eric, with regard to the 12 to 18 month uh, perspective that I've got as to when I think we're going to start having some problems. Uh, That's when we're going to start seeing a combination of new money coming out of Washington uh, and enough people that have either had the vaccine or have had the illness uh, that we're approaching that herd immunity where we're able to get back to some semblance of our normal life uh, and all that pent up energy uh, that has now been put into uh, renovating their basements or what have you, uh, is now going to unleash that consumer uh, money on things like travel and tourism that badly need it. Mm -hmm. But now that's going to really start flooding into the system at that point in time, where if I think in my own life, you know, I regret that, uh, you know, I haven't been able to cruise, right? But uh, when I go on a cruise to a, a Caribbean country, I take down money and I take it and it goes into the local economy and it mm-hmm. floods out that way. And we're going to start seeing that uh, on our own national and the international basis when people start to come out of this. And that's going to be a real dangerous time for not only our government to manage, but the international governments to manage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, 
I can say that I'm already a part of that because we have a trip planned for September of this year uh, down to Mexico and, and uh, it, you know, it's someplace warmer, <laughs> right? Uh, and a beach and water, that'd be great. Um, but I absolutely understand what you're saying because that, that makes perfect sense. All right, you have another question here uh, from a young lady that would like to know the best way to save for college for a child. Is the 529 really the best way to prepare? I am not a big fan of the 529. The reason being uh, the cost of education has gotten so extraordinary that the amount of capital that you need to commit to a 529 uh, to try to you know, make your goal of paying for the education for your kids uh, is a, a huge distortion in your savings pattern. Uh, and if you don't need that money for education, then uh, you got to pay a penalty tax to get it out. Uh, oh. And when we have what's going on in Washington right now with the change of administration uh, combined with the uh, unsustainable increase in the cost of education, uh, I think there's a real risk from the saver perspective that if I put money into a 529 that when I need it for the kids, something else is going to be out there that's going to take care of uh, that education cost. Mm -hmm. um, either there's been some you know, free college for everyone type of thing or, frankly, the institutions themselves become outmoded for the main uh, consumer uh, because they're doing things online now. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you, to be prudent to try to save for the eventuality that you do need to pay for college education if you have it all tied up in 529 and things don't turn out that way because of some of these other things, uh, then you're going to be penalized. So I've looked towards using things like cash value life insurance to try to save for education costs and mm -hmm. uh, traditional brokerage accounts and things like that. All right. Our last question for today's podcast uh, comes from a lady, and she was really she's got a lot to think about here. Uh, she's concerned about health, right, and and the money and planning for the future. So what she's wanting to know is if her investments will make it through her retirement. Obviously, that's a loaded question, so have fun with that one. Uh, but mainly because she's worried about the cost of health care. Her specific question is: Should I put everything into a Roth? As you said, there's a lot tied up in that uh, question. Um, <laughs> The when we look at the uh, current political environment, uh, we look at the current cost of care, uh, and we project that down the road. Uh, what's going to happen as a result of uh, the change of administration? Uh, there is a very high probability uh, that the cost of care is potentially going to be more on the back of the government, uh, mm. subject to them doing some type of recapture of those funds. Uh, and that's a, a whole other story on how that can happen. What I believe is a very important thing for people to do is uh, to have a, a prudent amount for, for medical cost. Now, whether it should be in a uh, Roth uh, or elsewhere, um, if you can, again, I always default to Roth. Mm -hmm. uh, through Roth conversion, uh, if people can afford it. But you know, as we've reflected before, so many people don't have 
the funds uh, in a structure that they can you know, move it to Roth uh, because of the cost of that. So if we were able to go back in the time machine 20 years for uh, this client, uh, then you know, we would look more to Roth accumulation. Uh, if it's specifically tied to a long-term care cost, uh, then there are special tools that can be used to uh, create a, a tax-free long-term care bucket uh, that is uh, you know, better than it being in a Roth for that purpose. All right. Makes sense. Again, like you said, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, and, and we've said this before on previous podcasts. You've said this before. When you work with your clients, you are very specific when it comes to their individual situation. Um, you're going to find out everything that's going on in their life, what their goals, their plans are, what they've currently got, whether it's investments or savings or whatever, so that you can help them build the biggest, the best plan for them. Um, and all these things, all these questions that we cover today are probably taken into account because of the fact that most people have these same type of questions. Uh, and, and those that are listening to the podcast right now, I would encourage you to reach out to Greg. And, and Greg, this is obviously a prompt for you, for you to give your contact information. But I would encourage you to re reach out to Greg and his team because he does take the time uh, to, to sit down and figure out what's going to be best for you. So, Greg, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Eric, the best way to reach out to me is probably through email. Uh, that's Greg, G-R-E-G, -E at DuPontWealth.com. Again, that's Greg at DuPontWealth.com. Or you can reach out and give us a call at 614-408-0004. That's 614-408-0004. All right. Greg, thank you so much for your time today. I love this podcast. I love the fact that you're taking the time to, to poll clients and, and audience members asking them what they want to hear about or what they want to learn about. And you mentioned a couple uh, of your answers today would actually could be full podcasts. So I'll look forward to those as well, um, discussing those different things that we covered today just briefly. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And of course, last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.